Plex is open. Welcome. This is COVID Cast 4, A New Hope. Yes, indeed. God, I hope this is the last one we do. Yeah. I'm, I'm not counting on it personally, I'm, but... No, I'm not either. Well, here we are one year later. Mm-hmm. So, things have happened. Things have happened. Yeah. We, we kicked a dictator. There was an insurrection. There's an insurrection before that. We've, we've covered that a little bit. Vaccines are rolling out now. I'm getting my first shot tomorrow. Yes, I, I've gotten my first shot uh, last Friday. And I had COVID. Yeah, you had you had the dang thing. Yes, yes, so I can add a little bit of legitimacy to this cast. Yeah, I had two COVID scares. Mm-hmm. It was back in January. Nathan thought he was experiencing his usual January cold and then I'm at work on a Sunday and I check my messages on break and he's like honey I can't smell or taste anything so I'm like fuck yeah so I'm like okay supervisor this just happened I need to leave now I yes <laughs> now just just trust me on this and so we both got tested. Uh, CVS Pharmacy just did the drive-through, the uh, swab up the nose, you know, stirred around for 10 seconds or so. Yeah, we both got COVID. We both tested positive. Now, he recovered. He Nathan is pretty much fully recovered. Mm-hmm. It's March, mid-March, and I still don't have my sense of smell back. Mm. I did not know that. I am sorry. So that happened. And then Super Bowl Sunday, I'm bringing in groceries into the apartment. And all of a sudden, my sciatic nerve decides, no, we're not going to work. So anytime that I transition from like resting to standing or standing to sitting and vice versa and, you know, every which way but loose... It hurts a lot. Like I'm having to go around the apartment with a cane just because it's that bad. And I've had to drop down to part-time at work because I'm not allowed to have my cane out on the factory floor just because of uh, potential contamination with the products that we handle. So, yeah, I'm falling apart. Uh. <laughs> Well, at least we get to talk about media today. Yes. <laughs> we get to talk about happy stuff and, you know, some not-so-happy stuff. At least it's a distraction. Yeah. So, how about we all kick this off with the one thing the three of us have seen? I was going to yeah. say, we should start with that. Yeah. yeah. Also, just to get it out of the way. Very much mm-hmm. so. Uh, now, how, how spoilery are we going? Um, just to set the precedent. 
let's not go all that spoilery. I don't want to go into too much depth on it anyway, because I think everybody has seen it. Yeah, like, Tab and I were going to, like, build up episodes, and we did after the first two, but after episode five, when both you, Austin, and I, and some other independent uh, friend source on Facebook said, hey, uh, you might want to watch this one right away, because it will be spoiled pretty quickly for you. It's like, okay, fuck, okay. Yeah. So from then on, we just caught up. We just caught up week to week. Yeah, we are, of course, talking about WandaVision, uh, Yes, Big of course. Return of the MCU after a year. Funny that it should be television. Funny thing that it should be television. Uh, I watched it week to week from the start. Uh, God damn, this was a blast to have as a thing to have week to week. I will say, like right right around episode three or four, when articles are coming out saying that people are complaining about the pacing being too slow, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying they're screaming. And it's like. This is how television always was? Yeah. Have you not been paying attention? And not just television, but anything that's serialized? Like comic mm-hmm. books? Flash Gordon? You know. Yeah. Delay graphication. We need to relearn that in this era of binge-watching and the now. And I think that the show was beautiful in its week-to-week you got just enough each week to be satisfied, and then just enough to leave you hanging. It was immensely satisfying as a week-to-week experience. And God, if these people thought this was slow, I'd love to have been there if they tried to read House of M month to month. Now, that thing was paced like a goddamn train wreck, so yeah. No, they couldn't have handled the source material. Not at all. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. And I really, that's one of those things, I don't have that much more to say beyond it. Uh, the acting was great. Uh, it looked great. The riffs on the different eras of TV were fantastic. Uh, God bless the Lopez's for their music. Oh, they were involved? Yeah, they did all I the mean, theme songs. I mean, yeah, of course they did. Oh, gosh. Once Disney finds their uh, talent, they really, they really stick with it. Yes, they do. They do. And, I mean, there's definitely some stuff about it that I liked a little bit less than stuff I liked more. But it was cool to have it. Uh, It was cool to have a week-to-week experience. And uh, uh, we're recording this uh, the Sunday of the week that Falcon and Winter Soldier starts. That's right, yes. So come Friday, getting right back in the MCU. And it, it was nice to have the MCU back. That's the thing. More than anything else, it was nice to go back to that i i I'd missed it i mean it and i this was a good way to go back so yeah yeah oh thank god though yeah i know yeah it, it, it I, I will say that people who tried to call it oh well it's lynchian or anything like that dear god no you're doing it a disservice anyway it was never trying to be anything more than just a silly little bit of pulp entertainment and good that so now it's time for what we do best on this cast. Let's do the round robin, where we all just kind of go around the horn and talk about what we watched. And Zephyr, I want to start with you, because you were really dangling into some interesting stuff. Lord knows I have. Okay, so I've got a couple of lists here. of Now, the bulk of what I watched from our last COVID cast is research for upcoming casts, so I'm not going to delve into that 
just yet, but the stuff that I can talk about, who boy. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Cruising. William wow. Friedkin's Cruising. All right. Now, this film I've read about in uh, the celluloid closet and heard that it, it had a bit of history behind it. But after sitting down and watching it together with Nathan, part of it is that a lot of time has passed since Cruising and society itself has like there are a lot more risque things out in mainstream like there are sequences in some of the snm bars where you're like they actually showed that okay or or at least alluded to it like like including the uh handkerchief code and everything but just in in an age where we're post 50 shades and talking about kink and whatnot it it's more of a a document if anything for cruising and it's not that bad of a film to be honest i think that it always bothered william friedkin who was a very serious gay ally uh, starting with uh you know he did the boys in the band uh, screen adaptation and well the original screen ad the original screen adaptation yes we we covered the recent one recently. He he so you know he was someone who was an early ally, and I think it I think it bothered him because he was trying to depict something real. I think it's interesting that the recent re-release of it uh, has really kind of changed the discussion of it, uh, especially with modern gay critics reacting to it. And of course, you know as a straight critic, I can't begin to address it. I haven't seen the film. Um, prob- probably need to. Probably need to. You should. You should. So, yeah. I also have a bucket of blood. Roger Corman. Yes, Roger Corman. Just yes. an absolutely goofy-ass film involving murder and beatniks and Dick Miller as our as our hero. It's so short. It, it's barely an hour, but what it packs in and just poor Dick Miller trying to make his living as like this up and coming artist and casting his murders as actual pieces that all of the beats are like, wow, man, that's real interesting. Really makes you think. And it's almost like little shop of horrors in a way. And it's just so much goofy fun very influential film it was billed as a comedy in the trailers so it's not like you were going into anything too gruesome but gosh it's fun yeah it's it's really it's very much a precursor to stuff like uh the later horror comedies that we get i mean you can see you can draw a direct line between it and chopping mall yeah, speaking of Chopping Mall, um, Andy Colby's Incredibly Awesome Adventure, which is a kid's film where this evil person kidnaps uh, Andy's sister inside this videotape, and Andy roams around various rot- like Chopping Mall and other Corman films 
green screened and redubbed almost like a, like a kid's version of dead men don't wear plaid. Yeah. It's very odd. Putting this on the two watch <laughs> list. But yeah, chopping mall is indeed in there. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hebrew hammer. <laughs> yes. The Jewish black dynamite. Yes. Adam, uh, Adam Goldberg. Yes. It, I enjoyed it. I like most, like most of the jokes you kind of expected, but just seeing, okay, where, where are we going to go with the whole elimination of Santa Claus and taking over the world? And Adam Goldberg as Jewish shaft, essentially. It's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And they do talk about his Jewish shaft more than once. Yeah, he is the Hebrew hammer after all. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Going along with other religious material, we have the German short Judas and Jesus. Now, this is a film that is incredibly raunchy and has only recently been removed from YouTube. But it's essentially uh, satirizing Jesus and Satan, as well as Mary Magdalene, all as various forms of sheep. But we're getting into, like, hard R territory, where we have an image, actually a whole sequence of Mary Magdalene with big old titties and... Oh my. Yeah. As a sheep. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh my. Oh, don't worry. George Decay is on my list later. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just these huge titties. And Satan just kind of walks along and sees Mary Magdalene out in the open. It's like, I'll take some of that. Okay. And it's just a very raunchy take on the the story of Jesus and his life as sheep. That's weird. Mm. Hmm. God, there there's just a lot that I need to get through. Uh, <laughs> uh in in terms of bad stuff, can we talk about ghost for a minute? Yeah, sure. let's let's do that because we're never going to get another opportunity to talk about this disaster of a movie what the hell was ghost like i know everybody references the pottery sequence but that's only 15 minutes into the film yeah i've i've never seen it so i can't really comment on the criticism but i remember catching i've i've caught a bit on tv and when I learned what it was about, because I know that's what everybody knows is like, you know, Patrick Swayze is a ghost and it's a romance, blah, blah. But um, I did not know the context that to the objective world, um, that's Whoopi Goldberg doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, yeah. That messed me up. <laughs> it is a very, very weird motion picture. And not all is successful. The thing that I want people to understand about Ghost is it was the most successful film of 1990. 
1990, if you go back and look at it, is such a shit year for movies. Like, it's it's almost unfathomably bad. It's, in my research, it's one of the worst years I've ever seen. Uh, sure, you had Goodfellas, you had um, Rescuers Down Under, you had um, a few other good movies here and there. Certainly, Teenage Mutant Ninja Trolls is one of my favorites. But, man, 1990, the lows were so low. Um, I am very vocal about my hatred of Dick Tracy, and that was a big movie. And Ghost was the biggest movie of that year. And it won two Oscars, one for Whoopi Goldberg and one for the screenplay against all odds. That's got to be one of the worst script Oscars ever. And I want us to hold the thought about script Oscars because I'm going to be covering one of those in my segment. So it's a better movie. I will hint at that. I saw Psycho 98. We've covered it. All it did was remind me of how I should be watching Carnival of Souls instead. Because I'll be honest, I don't like Psycho. Yeah, at so all. You, if you don't like Psycho, you're not going to like the distant version of it. No, it's, uh, it certainly is a... Um, it certainly is Psycho, but with different actors. <laughs> it sure is. And a slightly different redesign. And that's uh, it. Yeah. And to, to recap what uh, Gus Van Sant said about why he made it, he said so nobody else would have to, which is, I guess, as good an explanation as any. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's an art project, <laughs> is how I look at it. It's an interesting art project, but it's definitely not, you know, if, if I think of Psycho, I'm thinking of Anthony Parkins every time, who is incredible in that, and God, Vince, God, Vince Vaughn is, is a disaster in it. So, the prom the netflix musical yeah 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 mm, mm, mm-hmm. i i think we as a society are we've evolved past the need for james corden i don't understand why he's still around like james corden was better in cats 2019 than he is in the prom and i liked cats 2019 <laughs> and and let me be perfectly blunt per, e, per perfectly Per- yes, per- perfectly. Per- <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. Children. <laughs> what James Corden did in the prom is not just wearing hom- homosexuality as a costume. He was a full on flaming faggot. Gross. He was doing fag face and without a single care as to what's going on. And there was an openly gay actor in the movie, and he was forced to play the straight manager. Like, I get that they were trying to cast somebody as, like, the Nathan Lane type. Mm -hmm. I get that. But haven't we evolved past that, though? Maybe not. (laughs) A... Nathan Lane is too old to be playing the part that James Corden is. And B, James Corden should not have been playing that part at all. I mean, say what you want to about the Nathan Lane type, at least Nathan Lane is gay. Exactly. Which I guess I didn't strictly know, but it makes sense. And also that type, when used right in parts like The Bird Age, is fantastic. Yeah, 
it, it's like James Corden saw the birdcage once and thought he could do that. He cannot. No, he he was much better in Cats 2019. I also saw Mordecai. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It it plays like the Peter Sellers film that never was. Yeah, Johnny Depp is not Peter Sellers. Yeah, Johnny Depp is nowhere near Peter Sellers. And it felt very much like a bad Pink Panther. And we already had two of those, thanks to Steve Martin. Yeah. Oblivion 1 and 2. Now, now this is not to be confused with the Tom Cruise movie. Is this the full moon? Yes, this is full moon. Oh my god, you're stepping on some of my work. You're stepping on something (laughs) I was going to get to, so I'm excited by this. Please talk, because I'm going to be getting to full moon coming up. Yeah, so um, Oblivion 1 and 2 is essentially the cowboys and aliens blended with Firefly, but minus all of the cultural appropriation that Firefly does. That's to be expected from Peter David. Uh, yes, yeah. a, a good writer. And George Takei plays the most scenery-chewing drunk doctor there is. Like, oh my god. It, you, it's one of those things that has to be seen to be believed. Like, he's Truly. trying to do this Old West accent. And he even throws in a couple of Star Trek references in there as well. And I'm just like... Which were not in script, by the way. That was uh, that was pushed uh, for him to do them uh, as improvs. Yeah. Now, both of those I saw via riff tracks. And they lose their goddamn minds. Yeah. I watched the... Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle series that was on Prime mm-hmm. that DreamWorks did. Which I didn't even know this was a thing. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I have very mixed feelings about it. Mm. Because on the one hand, it's them doing the serialized stories from the original Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm-hmm. But they've changed the dynamic between Rocky and Bullwinkle, so it's more of like Mordecai and Rigby from regular show. Hmm. Which is not the dynamic that they're supposed to have. And Rocky is a lot more of an asshole this time around. Yikes. And it's not Tara Strong's best work. Who Who is she? Uh, she's Rocky? Yeah, she's Rocky. Oh, man. Yeah, it's not her best work. I I can tell you that much. It's very grating on the ears. And then you have, uh, what's his face? A fearless leader being reduced to nothing more than Dr. Doofenshmirtz with a new skin, which that's not how that works at all. Although I guess it was nice for Gordon Ramsay and Weird Al to show up. (laughs) See, I hate hearing that, because those are two guys that I love, so... Yeah. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay does show up as a chef, albeit way toned down from his normal... Oh, man, I was hoping he was going to do some more poetry with profanity. Oh, if only. If only. Good one that I watched. Uh, Force Majeure. It's this 
Swedish film from 2014 where a couple and their kids are out skiing and there's an avalanche that happens and both of them are trying to reconcile with what happened in the avalanche. Got some nice character studies, some good long takes, and it was remade for Americans last year as Downhill with uh, Will Ferrell and Julia Dreyfus. We don't need to discuss that. No. No, we don't. I saw Nine. Not not the Ragdoll Nine. Nine, the musical, which is eight and basically eight and a half the musical. Well, there's a bad idea. It was a very bad idea because they decided to completely redo the prostitute character as Fergie, whereas in the original eight and a half, she's very plump. There's no denying that. And so going from that to Fergie, it's a questionable decision, along with every single musical number reminded me of Chicago. And when Austin told me why that was, yeah, I'm like, oh. Yeah, because it is Rob Marshall directing again. And uh, boy, he's, he's really kind of a one-hit wonder, if I can do one. He's kind of a one film. I mean, Chicago is as great as it can be. I I love that film, but yeah, he's he's a one hit wonder. Uh, let's see, Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Yeah, that was a bit much, and I know it was a bit much for other audiences. But for starters, you have Jennifer Lawrence married to Javier Bardem. And you're trying to make this a couple, a believable couple. None of that works. And then you're doing a speed run through the Bible, essentially. But it's it's one of those where you have to jump through so many hoops before you realize, okay, this is where we are. This is the story they're telling. What does it all mean? I have no idea. I really think it would be a good idea for Aronofsky to go and take a studio job at some point and just have someone hammer into him that he needs to get his damn head on the ground because he's very good when he's working with a good solid script, usually someone else's. But man, he's got his head way up in the clouds and it it ain't good. Um, I don't even like The Wrestler that much, but that's really the kind of movie he should be doing with. I mean, The Wrestler is probably his best work, but when you compare that to everything else, yeah. Uh, let's see. Tom and Jerry, 2021. Do tell, please. I'm curious. Holy hell, this is an avoid at all costs. That's all I've heard. That's sad to hear. I was hopeful. Hmm. Well, when you start off within the first three minutes of pigeons rapping to a tribe called Quest. Nope. Nope. We're done. We're done. And in a background gag of Droopy Dog as Joker 2019. 
and and he does show up again later in the film, which means it's the second Tom and Jerry film he's cameoed in. Uh huh. S- since Tom and Jerry the movie. Yeah, the Tom and Jerry the 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 other movie. Yeah, the one where they talk and are friends. Yeah, that one weirded me out even as a kid. It's like yeah. this is not following the formula. That's one that I had hoped for for this one that was following. Yeah, at least from the previews, it was somewhat following the formula. And uh, yeah, it's sad that it's it doesn't seem to be again, just in a different way. Like I'm still probably gonna see it just to just have pure curiosity. And I love Tom and Jerry, but but continue. Sorry. The thing is, they're not meant for long form cinema. I can see that. Yeah, and so they are essentially the supporting characters of their own movie both times and like there was this awkward sequence like 20 minutes in where it's established that jerry is living in the hotel and it's up to chloe grace moretz to tell management i'm like hey i'm gonna find that mouse i am going to catch him or her might be a her might be them i i don't know i'm not gender biased maybe maybe the mouse is gender fluid like they actually oh boy that's awkward like they did a deconstructed did you assume my gender thing in mm-hmm. tom and jerry please no. about jerry my dudes my dudes no this is not the way to do it i've been rewatching the Looney Tunes show and they would pull jokes like that but the difference was they were able to pull them off because they knew what the hell they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they were yeah. laughing at that kind of thing and doing it smartly. And God, that, that show was so much better than this could have ever hoped to be. Yeah. Also, like I was showing some friends like actual stills from the movie and it all looks so like we're talking cool world levels of integration. Ouch. Where... People are not matching eye lines. Everything is just composed very poorly. Uh, Tom and Jerry don't even look like they actually fit in the environment. And it's a weird, one of many weird decisions in this adaptation where all of the animals are animated, which, okay, sure, Sure. whatever. But that also means there's a stunning lack of animals in New York City. Because, of course, it takes place in New York City, where every other live-action adaptation of an animation is set at fucking New York City. Mm -hmm. Also, the soundtrack is nearly exclusively hip-hop for reasons I cannot comprehend. Really, now? Really. <laughs> I, I I do want to chime in. This sounds worse and worse. Sorry, go ahead. I am fascinated by how snake bit Chloe Grace Moretz is at this point in her career, because she had all the potential in the world as a child actor. Uh, she has three just incredible performances back to back to back. Uh, well, four because I want to give credit to her work in Five Hundred Days of Summer. Then she jumped on to uh, Kick Ass, where she is so good. Then she's in Let Me In, and she's incredible in that. And then she had Hugo, and she's incredible in that. And then she went off a cliff. 
And actually, I am... no, 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 she didn't. You're forgetting uh, her roles in uh, Clouds of Sills, Maria. Oh yeah, uh, I forget. About, I forget she's in that. I forget. And uh, Suspiria 2018. You know, I forget. That's just it. Her mainstream work has just it. You're right. She's had some good indie work. She has had some good indie work. I just I'm fascinated by her because I'd like to see her get mainstream work that is on her level because I think she's still got the talent. It's just she's not being given the parts that because she's still a tremendous comedic actress. I'm I don't know. I just find I just find her fascinatingly snake bit in mainstream work because neither of those movies that you listed played Arkansas. Yeah. But yeah, so you have all of that going on, as well as, like, the angel and the devil on the shoulders on Tom. Of course. Both jive-talking? Why? I don't Um, know. I really don't know. This, This movie just sounds, like, all the way around uncomfortable. It's it's unbelievably bad. Like, right now, it's sitting at nearly getting two-thirds of its budget back in in the box office. And how? Well, people... I'll tell you why. People are desperate to go back out to the movies. And this is what's there. It's, it's, that, it's that simple. Yeah, Tom and Jerry 2021 is an all-around avoid at all costs. Oh, that's too bad. That's really, really too bad. I had hope. No, oh, well. there no hope lies there. <laughs> Abandon all hope while you enter here. It was a paycheck for everyone involved. And you could tell. I've got two more entries that I'll highlight. One bad and one good. And then I'll pass pass it off uh right now at least in terms of bad i'm going through cop rock uh i just finished uh episode three last night in which we now have a subplot of the corrupt mayor uh potentially being asked to run for a senate seat but all of the focus groups say say that she's too ugly to run and so it's up to her to get some plastic surgery done. And the plastic surgeon gets his own song. And when it started, I swear to God, it was going to be... It sounded a lot like Like a Surgeon by Weird Al. Just like how it was set up. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Right now, I'm just kind of going through it so that I can figure out what exactly the baby merchant plot is in in one of the future episodes. Because as bad as that song is, it is incredibly catchy. Because who knew child trafficking was so much fun? <laughs> La- last entry, one that I am going to highly recommend that everyone watch the goes wrong show yeah yeah that's based off the the play right uh it it's in the similar vein of the play that goes wrong except it's it's 
right now it's only six episodes, half an hour each, where they go through different uh, play styles, like a period drama, courtroom drama, one inspired by Tennessee Williams, a Cold War, or not Cold War, World War II thriller that is historically inaccurate by throwing references to the Vietnam War. And just like, I've sat through the series four times already, each with different people. And every single time, it, it's been nothing but wall-to-wall laughter. Like, the amount of gags that are in each 30-minute episode is astounding. Right now, you can stream that series on Prime and Tubi. And I'm glad that they greenlit a second season, but of course, that's mostly delayed due to COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID, yeah. But the one episode that they do have, at least from what I saw, was them trying to do the nativity. Hmm. Hmm. And I, and I cannot wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. On to me. Okay, so I've got an nifty little list here and uh i'll only do highlights but yeah watched uh raised by wolves Heard very good about that yeah it is very good it's a uh, ridley scott series um it's about 10 episodes there will be a second season it takes a lot a lot of twists and turns uh i won't get into any spoilers it's just one you have to experience it's very um yeah <laughs> yeah that's all i have to say it's very creative in its execution and it does make you go with the fuck several times did a rewatch of sexy beast 2001 bing kingsley i believe 2001 yes maybe 2000 yeah okay and uh, uh ray winstone nice 90 minute you know get in get out romp very good i watched the six episode short-lived my brother my brother and me tv series which is hilarious especially if you're a fan of that particular podcast it's great i recommend everybody watch it it's available for free (sighs) i forgot the place but i'll find it and post a link but anyway finally got to see freaky i've not gotten that one yet how was that it's fun like it's it's great jason bloomhouse fun yeah i I did christopher Landon, so yeah like it, it's it's very it's very much worth a watch. Yeah, Tab and I have been waiting for that one to because it's initially only in theaters, and then they put it on on demand a little later. But you know, you had to do the full like twenty bucks for it. But now it's finally available for like regular five dollar rent. So finally got to watch that. It's great fun. Vince Vaughn, <laughs> one eighty from Psycho, he shines in this. Yeah, so does uh, so does um. Kevin Newton is the actress's name. Yes, yes, she does too. They're 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 both great, essentially playing each other. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Watch it; it's great. Oh, watched uh, Love and Monsters. Uh, Brian Duffield. I've heard that's pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. My dad, <laughs> he buys a lot of movies. His collection of new movies rivals mine of old movies, uh, older movies. But yeah, he kept recommending it to me. And he was just like, hey, it's really, really good. But um, he's tried to dance around it because he knows I have a bug phobia. And uh, he's like, there's um, um, giant insects. But it's really, really good. 
So we watched it. It is really good. I was able. It's it's enough to where I could move past that. Recommend. Uh, let's see. I kind of watched in the background the Disney, well, the live action Mulan. Yeah, I saw that too. That's that's the way to re-experience those. Yeah. Not great. It's okay. Not great. Yeah, I don't know. I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, watching Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk. Yeah, it's like it took a cu- takes a couple episodes to like fully get into, but once you're in, it's 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 real fun, and uh, only he could only he could pull that off. You get any other actor in there, and I'm convinced it doesn't work. I saw Boss Level. There's a there's a genre that I'm just gonna call Groundhog Day clone. And here's the weird thing that I've noticed about that entire subgenre. It kind of works every time. That's the thing. Uh huh. The, the the movies that fall into it tend to be really damn good. Uh huh. And I've heard this is no different. Yeah, I think I think in this time period. Because I I had to track back, you know, our last COVID cast was November, November 9th. Uh, I think in this time period, I also saw Palm Springs, and that was also fantastic. Also a day loop movie, yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, I have to say, this is the antithesis of Palm Springs. Palm Springs, he, like, is in a time loop, and he uses it to chillax and do whatever the hell he wants. And this one, uh, he it's basically video game, as denoted by the title. Mel Gibson is the boss and he does not get a moment of rest and this one because he just has to kind of memorize every move that's coming and avoid it or, you know, uh, you know, overcome the, op- you know, just like video game. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it has a somewhat open ending. I watched it with tab. She does not like open endings at all. So, <laughs> she kept saying, "Well, it's a bad. It was a bad movie." I'm like, "It's only bad because you did not like the open ending." It's like, "I know it's a bad." <laughs> like, yeah, okay. But right after that, we watched a movie called Greener Grass. Um, have you have have you all heard of this? No, I I've seen it here and there on Hulu, but I've not had not the time indulged. To... Yeah, I haven't had the time to indulge. I would, I would love your take on it. Sometimes, ever just got like it's the trait. Uh, the trailer kind of uh, says, "Oh yeah, it's a comedic. It's like uh, uh, you know, funny front to back. It's not. Uh, it's like David Lynch meets Wes Anderson. Like, okay, I didn't like it." <laughs> I did not. It's very, it's, it's very surrealist. I think it's, it's really, really trying at humor. It, it falls flat every time. Like there's a weird, there's a weird like internal logic to the thing. Like, uh, it's hard to describe. Like everybody has braces. There are prolonged jokes. They're like, okay. And they don't work. It's very lame. There's a boy who turns into a dog and remains a dog through the rest of the film. No explanation. He jumps in the pool, comes out a dog. It's a guy that drinks pool water. He's crazy over the pool water because of the new filtration system. And he just drinks it throughout the movie. Yeah, there's no payoff to any of this. <laughs> yeah, this this sounds 
This sounds like hell to me. It is. It's, um, I have to say it was a very uncomfortable sit. And it's like, I, I, I was waiting. Like I was waiting for, you know, there's a character who goes through a thing. Like it starts with, uh, this character who has a baby and, uh, there's with another woman and, uh, She's like, uh, oh, it's a beautiful baby you have there. Yeah, just had him last week. I'm like, do you uh do you want him? Like, what do you mean? Well, you seem to like him. I mean, uh, do 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 you want my baby? Like, you sure? Yeah, I have another one. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, and it just sort of goes from there. I'm not gonna talk much more on this movie. It's a very uncomfortable sit. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know how it got made. Someone was amusing themselves. I think so. Like, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if? Oh, no, it's not. But anyway, that's that's kind of the one I was building to. Oh yeah, I also saw the little things. It was kind of a slow burn to nothing. Yeah, so yeah. Watched uh, Dog Day Afternoon the night after that, just to just to kind of give the slow burn antithesis. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's a film that's aging beautifully. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It's great. Yeah, I had first seen it in college, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for the revisit. <laughs> Especially as we're starting to talk more openly about things like what that movie depicts. It's kind of miraculous how great the film holds up talking about these issues that we still don't really quite know how to talk about on screen. It's, it's such a, a strange fluke of a movie. And, hmm. and great. Yeah. And great. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aged very well. I was very happy. Anyway, those are all. Those are all my major highlights. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably give this cast a little bit of quicker wrap up than normal because it's not that I haven't seen anything. Um, I did venture out to the theater to see Wonder Woman 1984, and if I'm honest, I can't even give that an objective review because I was just happy to be in a theater watching a comic book movie again. It's okay. It's got plenty of problems, and a lot of the criticism is is valid, but I still have fun with it. I just kind of acknowledge that it's not necessarily the film's doing that I had fun with it. I will say it is one of those movies that, because I've been watching Modern Family at the same time, man, it's amazing to me. We're still in this trope of the frumpy woman with glasses who's obviously an attractive woman, and that they don't get hit on uh, cuz I've been watching Modern Family a lot and uh boy there are points in the later seasons where they're they're not pulling it off they're they're not pulling off the idea that the uh younger daughter on the show is not conventionally attractive it's it, it's kind of funny almost to me though I do love Modern Family and that has been giving me some good laughs during this um I've been watching Malcolm in the Middle again ah uh, yeah that's always great that that always is great um, on Rift Tracks... Aging beautifully it, again. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, on Rift Tracks, uh, I watched a couple of them recently. Uh, I watched the uh, David Wascavage uh, Fungicide. And this is one that I really want y'all to watch. This is one that is so classically MST3K. I looked it up uh, as soon as you... As soon as I got off the phone with you the other day. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a B movie like we 
think of B-movies, but they're never actually like this, except this one is. It was the guy's family and friends shooting it. It was shot on the lowest of low budgets. The props are so cheap. The special effects are so low budget. The riff is really great, of course, as you would expect. This is a throwback. This is, this is a throwback to MST3K at its best, and I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, highly recommend this one. The same weekend, I watched Batman Soul of the Dragon, uh, which is their latest direct-to-video effort. It's good. It's very good. It's it's funny because it's really not a Batman movie. He's in it, but he's a supporting character, really. It's good. James Hong is the best in it. He gets so much to do. Um, I had to go back through uh, the Kung Fu Panda trilogy for uh, my podcast uh, during this time. Those movies are great. Those movies are great. So I've got nothing but good to say about that. As I said, Soul of the Dragon's a lot of fun. The animation's really good. Fights are good. It's a good, fluffy little movie. Two big ones that I watched was I crossed two Best Picture winners off the list. Uh, the Shape of Water and Parasite. Oh, yeah. And both of those have been talked to death. I, I can't add anything to it, to the discussion. They're both great. They're both really, really great. They both deserved their Oscar wins. They're both as good as movies get. Bong Joon-ho and uh, Guillermo del Toro are guys that deserve our attention. Um, so I really enjoyed those. You know, really, that's been the bulk of my movie watching. Uh, I watched Vivarium with Amanda. I thought that was interesting and weird, but I don't know if I'd say I liked it, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's weird, but the but the one that I really want to talk about is actually not a a, a movie. It's an audiobook that I listen to, and I, I want to give a recommendation on this because it's a very long audiobook. It's twenty hours long, so this is a hell of an experience. But it came from the video aisle. Is a full history of full moon pictures, and that's why I sparked so much to the joy of hearing about full moon because uh, I've been listening. I listened to that, and it is an experience. It is a full experience. It's an in-depth history of the company, and you'll both come to love the company and hate it as you listen to it. There's great stories in it. It's it's wall-to-wall these amazing, rich, funny stories about this company. It's kind of a messy story. Basically, the company went bankrupt several times and has been rebuilt several times. Charles Band isn't very good with money, but it's a really interesting experience. I do recommend it. So that's one that I've got a lot of love for. Um, I, I really recommend listening to it. Yeah, And, I, I, again, this isn't really qualifying under our usual stuff, but uh, I do want to talk about the Wishmaster novelization that came out. Because they, uh, Encyclopocalypse Publications, which did the uh, Full Moon audiobook, uh, has published a series of, uh, they're starting to do retro novelizations, which is they've reissued the novelizations to Hardcore, Reanimator, Fright Night, and uh, now they're going back in and doing new novelizations of old movies. And uh, they did Wishmaster and did it as if this was a trade, uh, a paperback you could have picked up uh, from uh, Kroger in the 90s. I mean, I read it digitally, so it's not exactly. But I hope they do more of these. I hope they do more of these because this was a fun movie to get the treatment for. Uh, the writer did a really good job with it. Uh, 
highly recommended, highly recommended $6 on Amazon, and it's a blast. It's a blast of a read. But yeah, that's really what I've been doing, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of on hold right now. Uh, I will be watching the Snyder Cut this week. Uh, I will be watching Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier, and um, I'm waiting for Godzilla vs. Kong, and I'm waiting to get the shot in the arm, and that's it for me. Well, shoot. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Hopefully, hopefully, like, you know, by May, by June, everybody will get vaccinated and uh, this will, this whole thing will be mostly over. Hopefully. Like, it's, yeah, like, COVID will still be a thing forevermore, but, you know, as long as enough people get vaccinated and it seems to be, it seems to be working. So, there is hope. There's hope. And I know that as soon as uh, enough people get vaccinated, like friends, family, whatever, I'm going to start hanging out with family again uh, on the regular. I miss it. I miss I miss everything. I do, too. Like, gonna Tab and I plan on hosting, hosting a movie night uh, with friends, like, as soon as this is over, uh, or as soon as we're all up to date on the vaccinations. Oh... <sighs> Jeez, it's been it's been a ride, y'all. And I can, I want to say this: yeah, if you're one of those people that you're eligible for the vaccine and for whatever reason you're not getting it, for the love of God, go get it right now. Please do, please do. Uh, this is a civic duty. Yeah, we'll just say just public service uh, announcement on what you can expect. My girlfriend Tab and her mom both got the shot. Tab's arm hurt. For a while, she has a compromised immune system. Uh, for like a couple days, the upper arm where the shot was administered hurt. Um, I felt nothing. Okay. <laughs> because my immune system is crazy. Crazy, weird, strong. But yeah, so you know, you can maybe expect that. Uh, I plan on taking a couple days off after the second shot because, you know, I've heard you're, you're mildly sick for a couple days. I'll persevere. So, I'll persevere. Yes, exactly. Like it's better than the actual thing, though. Yes, and that's important. And uh, you know, you can still get it. You can still get COVID after the shot, but it's you know it it dulls the symptoms significantly. So yep. you know that's just an overview on what you can expect. And uh, yeah, all right. So please vaccinate. Vaccinate. And we'll be back at it. Mm-hmm. You can find us, of course, at theomniplex.org. You can you can Twitter us, tweet us at theomniplex. Email us theomniplexpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, like us, subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, all that jazz. <laughs> on, yeah, all, all that jazz, all your favorite. Oh, yeah, I also have to do a plug. So I have a new a new podcast. It will be also posting to the Omniplex. It has its own page. Uh, I'll add just some additional content for y'all. Uh, Tev and I have a pod- has a TV binge podcast called The Order of the Snoot. It has a light fiction element. Like I'm talking like the lightest fiction element because we record in the living room. I'm recording in the office right now, and uh, just. Because we expect frequent interruptions from our dog and cat, we have built it into the show. So, there you go. The Order of the Snoot. It has its own separate podcast feed and everything. 
like and subscribe to that. Yeah, check that out. I'd appreciate it. Sounds good, y'all. So, uh, yeah. yeah, catch you next time. We'll be talking about streaming. Yes. Hang on the flippy flop. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. So, bye, y'all. Bye. We'll be together Sharing the load Watching in wonder As our lives unfold Hope for the future It's coming soon enough How much could we We believe.